It is. It's, so, it's just so good to be here with all of you, to be here in person. So good for all of you who are joining us online. And yes, as Craig said, this morning we are talking about fasting. So if you go to lunch after church, then you're a sinner. And um, nothing, you, nothing you can do about that. Obviously, very much joking. Um, really excited to be able to continue our sermon series called Rhythms, the Beauty of a Life with God, where we are discussing spiritual practices that are tools and opportunities for you to grow in your relationship with God. Uh, what we've talked about so far, we've talked about scripture, we've talked about prayer, we have talked about worship, we've talked about simplicity, and today we are talking about fasting. Now, I want to begin by just sort of taking a step back with all of these rhythms that we have the opportunity to incorporate into our lives. And I want to say that there's a, there's a big question behind every single one of these practices. And that question is this. Do we really want to know God more? Do we actually, truly want to know God more? Because when we come across any one of these practices, it's always challenging to incorporate them into our lives. And it's so easy to be caught up in the day-to-day -day goings about of our lives, to feel like we're self-sufficient, to feel like we can manage on our own. It's easy to get caught up in and even to enjoy and cherish everything that happens in your life. But as you try to incorporate these disciplines, the question is, do you actually want to know God better? Because I think if we're honest, there's lots of times where our actions say that we're pretty comfortable with how much we know God. And I bring this up because the discipline we're talking about today, fasting, is in some ways one of the most challenging disciplines, but I'm convinced, based on my experience and on the study I've done for this, that if we really want to know God better, we will incorporate this regularly into our lives. When we were planning the sermon series, those of us who were on the preaching team, we were talking about what rhythms do we want to talk about, and there was a moment where we were debating, you know, should we actually spend a whole Sunday talking about fasting? That seems kind of weird. And there was, we, we kind of just had to step back and be like, hey, do we really believe in this? And I think that's what's before us this morning. Do we really believe in this? Do we really want more of God? And whenever we ask this question, we have to remember who God is. God is the creator of the universe who spoke every single thing into being with his word. The God who calls out the stars one by one and weighs the nations as if they are dust on the scales. God who is justice and mercy and righteousness, who is truth and life and light, who is loving and compassionate and gracious and good. Do you want to know him? Fasting's hard. We live in a culture of instant gratification. We live in a society that is literally built on the idea of consumption. And we consume everything. We consume food and drink and sex and drugs and guns and 
cars and clothing. We consume energy and gadgets, TV, radio, social media, online activity. We consume gossip. We consume fads. We consume ideologies. We consume programs. We even consume our work and our leisure. But if we can take a break from consuming to focus on God, it will be worth it. Now, I don't want to... I don't want to make this like overly simple and say if you're not fasting, then you don't want God. It's not that simple. This isn't some legalistic thing. But it's a hard question put before us, and we have to be honest with ourselves. So with that big question behind us, let's look at our passage for this morning. Our text for this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 beginning with verse 16. Here in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so it's to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, I'm going to look at three different words in this passage and, and highlight them and consider what they mean for us this morning. If you look all over the Bible, you'll see that there are many different examples of fasting, and there are many different ways and times and, and kinds of fasts that are illustrated. One of the most extreme examples of fasting we get from Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, right before his temptation. He's in the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days. It's unclear if he's fasting from food and drink, but he's definitely not eating for 40 days. Um, a very, very extreme example. A much less extreme example is in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, where Daniel and some of his friends only eat vegetables and water for 10 days. So there's a, a large variety. These are just two examples of the lengths that you can fast or of the things you can fast from. Fasting has been a part of Christian history since the beginning. There's a book called the Didache, uh, which means the teaching. It's a book of early Christian teachings from about the year 100. And in a passage in the Didache, it says this. It says, do not let your fasts coincide with those of the hypocrites. They fast on Monday and Thursday, so you must fast on Wednesday and Friday. Um, I, think it's, I think this is a funny text, as if you can avoid hypocrisy by the day of the week you fast. But What's clear is for this early Christian community, fasting was a part of their weekly rhythms. If we also look across the Bible, we see that there are many different reasons to fast. One of the major reasons people fasted, especially in the Old Testament, is as a sign of repentance. We actually saw this back when we were studying Jonah a few months ago. In Jonah chapter 3, the prophet Jonah goes to the city of Nineveh. He announces their destruction, and they repent. And what do they do as a part of their repentance? They fast. Another reason in the Bible we see people fast is they often do it to prepare inwardly for a task God has 
given them. So it's a, a preparation fast. And I think this is what we see in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus fasts. He's fasting to prepare for both his temptation but for his entire life in ministry. It's a way for him to sort of empty himself to receive from God. Uh, the Reformation theologian John Calvin said that there are three different reasons you can fast. You can fast to subdue the needless desires of the flesh. You can fast to prepare for prayer and meditation. And you can fast to express humility before God in confession. So there's lots of different ways to fast. There's lots of different time periods to fast, lots of different things you can fast from, and even different reasons to fast. But what's common to all of these things is abstaining from consumption in order to focus on God. And Jesus says, whenever you do this, this is something that is expected of us. The second word in this passage I want us to look at is the word disfigure. Jesus says, don't look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces to, so as to show others that they are fasting. So what's happening is these hypocrites he's talking about, we don't know who they are, maybe they're the Pharisees, maybe there's some other group of people, it doesn't really matter, but they are going about their fast in such a way that they're like contouring their face um, so that they uh, can be seen as people who are fasting in order to brag or somehow boast or show off how spiritual we are. Fasting should not be accompanied with boasting. It is not something to make you more arrogant or puffed up. It's not something to, uh, to you know, laud over others. And it's not something to be legalistic about, to think I'm obeying the rules better, I'm doing spirituality better because I am fasting. Another way that I think we disfigure the process of fasting is we fast because we believe it will change God's mind. Uh, this, I think, kind of often happens in church communities or, or other communities where there's some pressing, important issue. And so what do they do? They pray and they fast about it. Now, don't misunderstand me. That's a good thing. I support it, right? If there's like a huge issue, something really weighty on your heart, yes, pray and fast about it. That is good. But we don't want to think that our fasting is some like magical bonus that makes our prayers more persuasive to God, right? Fasting is not like this, um, it's not like the, the mushroom in Mario Kart that makes you go faster to God. Okay? It's, <laughs> praying and fasting is good to do in those situations because fasting opens up time for you to pray. When you were eating, you can now pray. And the physical pains of hunger remind you to pray throughout the day, right? It's not like if God hears your prayer when you're not fasting, he's like, eh, nah. But then he hears your prayer when you are fasting, he's like, oh, well, now I'm going to listen, right? That's not, that's not what's happening. Um, fasting is not like this magical thing that makes your prayers more powerful, Another way that I think fasting is disfigured is when the spiritual practice of fasting gets confused with weight loss goals. Um, fasting is becoming really popular in like the fitness and weight loss 
world, especially intermittent fasting, right? This idea where you like only eat for six hours of the day in order to lose weight. And if you want to do that, I mean, that's fine. I don't, I don't really care. I don't think it's the best way to lose weight, but yeah, I'm not an expert. Um, but what I want to be clear about is that if you're fasting to lose weight, you are not doing the spiritual discipline of fasting. These are not things that can coincide with each other. And what really actually scares me about this is that there have been times where people have used the spiritual discipline of fasting to mask or to hide um, unhealthy or harmful relationships with food or relationships with, um, with one's own body. Um, this is not something I am an expert in or super qualified to talk about, but I just want to say that if you are here and you are, are someone who, who struggles with that, if you struggle with your relationship with food, if you struggle to eat in front of other people, um, if you are constantly moving from diet to diet and, and, and that sort of thing, there are people here who can help you. Please reach out to us and please let's not be people who use spiritual fasting in order to mask um, other insecurities that we might have. So we don't want to be people who disfigure this process of fasting. And the last word I want us to look at in this passage, this is where it gets fun, is the word reward. Right? Jesus says, your father who is in secret, who sees in secret, will reward you. Fasting is a spiritual rhythm that promises significant rewards to us. I don't have time to go through all of them, but just a couple. Fasting teaches us about ourselves. Uh, the Christian theologian and writer Dallas Willard says this. He says, this discipline teaches us a lot about ourselves very quickly. It, were, it will certainly prove humiliating to us as it reveals to us how much of our peace depends upon the pleasures of eating. It may also bring to mind how much we are using food pleasures to assuage the discomforts caused in our bodies by faithless and unwise living and attitudes. If nothing else, though, it will certainly demonstrate how powerful and clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolves. Fasting will teach us what we really are attached to. Fasting will teach us how much we crave the things of the world. Fasting will teach us if we're actually good at saying no to ourselves or if we only think we are. Fasting will also teach us about the lies of our culture. We live in a world of instant gratification, of constant two-day shipping and immediate downloads. We live in a world where we believe that we are self-sufficient, where we are able to operate on our own and manage ourselves. And fasting teaches us that you do not need to be instantly gratified, that your every craving does not need to be satisfied. And fasting teaches you that your waiting and your patience is holy. Fasting teaches you that you cannot do life on your own, but that you desperately need God to sustain you in all of it. 
And most of all, fasting teaches us to rely on and to trust in God. Fasting will show us what truly controls us, and fasting will redirect our attention to God. Fasting will teach us what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, that humans do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And as I mentioned earlier, fasting gives us time to pray. Fasting opens up periods in our schedule where we can devote ourselves to prayer and the physical pains of hunger operate as a constant reminder throughout the day to turn your thoughts to God. I want to give us some practical tips now. How do we do fasting, um, how do we actually do this thing? If we believe that it's good, if Jesus expects it of us, if we want to avoid some of the misuses and gain some of rewards, what are some practical tips for how we can fast? Um, and actually, the band can come up at this point. So I want to begin by saying fasting can include, include abstaining from a whole host of things. You can abstain from food, from drink, from shopping, from desserts, from TV, from media, from cell phones. You could even fast from taking the elevator at your work. There's lots of things you can fast from. One way to think about it is to ask yourself, what do I do in excess? And then consider fasting from that. If you have any sort of medical uh, concerns, Talk to a doctor. I can't, I can't advise you on that. Talk to a doctor if you're going to fast from food. When you fast from food, start slow, right? Start slow. Don't do a 40-day fast right at the beginning, okay? That's crazy. Uh, a great way to start is to fast from lunch to lunch. So you eat lunch, you skip dinner and breakfast, and then you eat lunch again. So it's like a 24-hour fast, but you only miss two meals. Do that every once in a while, and then slowly increase as you feel led. When you fast, drink tons of water. Don't fast from water, okay? Don't fast from water, bad idea. Drink a lot of water. When you fast, don't do it for immediate results. Don't expect that the first time you do it, everything will be changed and you'll have this crazy spiritual high, but instead, keep a journal every day you fast. Write down what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing, what you're learning. And over time, as you incorporate this rhythm into your life regularly, you will learn from it. And when I say regularly, that can also be something where you start slow. Maybe you start by fasting once a year or once a quarter or once a month, right? And slowly incorporate this into your life. I want to close with a poem by a Christian poet, Edna St. Vincent Millay, talking about fasting. She says this, I drank at every vine. The last was like the first. I came upon no wine so wonderful as thirst. I gnawed at every root. I ate of every plant. I came upon no fruit so wonderful as want. Feed the grape and the bean to the vinter and the monger. I will lay down lean with my thirst and hunger.
the poet here says, better than drinking or eating is to thirst and to hunger for God. So that just leaves before us the question that we started with, church. Do we hunger for God?